Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 132, Late Season Turkey Hunting Tips. And I am your host and the guy who doesn't know what to do with the extra hour and a half of sleep that he's getting, and the guy who is just torn, torn like an old sweater, with mixed emotions about the ending of Alabama's spring turkey hunting season. Physically, my body is saying it's glad turkey season is over. (laughs) Mentally, I'm never, never ready for it to be over even though I had a rough season this year at home. But I keep telling myself mentally that we are only 315 days, 11 hours, 10 minutes, and 34 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So I am back from North Carolina. Cameron and I had a great time. We got wet in the rain. We heard turkeys gobble. We saw turkeys. We saw some beautiful countryside. We logged about 43,500 steps in two and a half days of hunting. There was a shot fired. And I'll let Cameron tell us about that next week. And we have planned our return trip for next year already. All in all, I give the trip two thumbs up good times. Okay, so before I get into today's topic of some late season turkey hunting tips for you guys, I want to talk a little turkey hunting news with you. The news reports have been rolling in of hunting accidents, just what we don't want to hear. Just this past week, a hunter in Ohio was shot in the back by another hunter who was hunting over decoys. So according to NBC4i.com, a Morgan County, Ohio man hunting turkeys in the Wayne National Forest was injured in an accidental shooting Friday morning. According to the Morgan County Sheriff's Office, the victim said he had turkey decoys set up and was calling turkeys when he was shot from behind. Deputies said he had multiple shotgun pellet wounds to his backside. All of the wounds appeared to be superficial, investigators said. The victim and the other hunter involved made their way to the roadway to await help. The victim was taken to a Zanesville area hospital for treatment. So there's one instance where somebody was hurt 
while hunting over decoys on public land. And here's another story coming from Marshall Township in Pennsylvania. According to WTAE.com, a man was shot in the abdomen in what police said was a turkey hunting accident Monday morning in Marshall Township, Allegheny County. Investigators said two men were hunting turkeys on Mingo Road at about 6 a.m. when one of them was shot. The victim was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Northern Regional Police spent hours investigating at the scene. Officers were seen bringing evidence out of the woods, including a tree stand and a decoy. A van in the driveway was put on a flatbed and towed away. While police said the shooting is believed to be an accident, they also said it remained under investigation. Pennsylvania's spring turkey season started on Saturday. Here is one more story of an accident coming from New York. According to buffalonews.com, a 17-year-old was treated and released from the hospital after he was shot Monday morning while turkey hunting, state police said. The incident, which police are calling an accident, happened at about 6.30 a.m. The teen was hunting on private property at the same time as a second hunting party. The teen was shot in the torso by part of a round fired by another hunter, police said. He was taken to a local hospital. Police said the shooter has been identified, but they did not release his name. The investigation is continuing. One more story of a shooting. Now, this is the first story that I have seen where someone has actually been shot either reaping or fanning. So this comes from foxnews.com, and it says a hunter who believed he had taken down a pair of turkeys set out to find the birds only to discover his brother and friend wounded on the ground. Kenneth Dentst, who was out hunting with the victims on opening day of turkey season in Kansas, accidentally shot the pair after mistaking their disguises for real birds. Right after he shot, he thought he saw a turkey flopping on the ground, but when he hurried up there, he saw two guys rolling on the ground. Jim Busson Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism game warden told the Wichita Eagle. He had shot both hunters in the face. The shooter swore he'd seen strutting toms and some other turkeys right up until then. The victims, identified as Gary Dentst and Justin Wiles, had been hiding behind preserved turkey tail fans, meant to act as a decoy to attract other birds. Bassone told the news outlet that while the hunters were initially spread across two properties, the two victims returned to where Dentst was hunting without notifying him. Busson inferred that the tragic accident could have been prevented, calling the pair's failure to communicate with Dentst one of the cardinal sins we teach against in Hunter's Ed. And that is so true. They were calling to each other and sneaking up on each other like two toms coming at, it, at each other, Busson told the Wichita Eagle. Both swore they were sneaking on real turkeys. Crawford County Sheriff Dan Peak told Parsonson.com that the victims were able to walk to a nearby truck and are expected to recover from their injuries. An investigation is ongoing. So there were actually a couple of cardinal sins broken there that should not have been. And that is hunting in an area you're not supposed to be hunting in and where no one else expects you to be and not identifying your target well enough. And I know what a lot of you guys are going to say out there. They should not have been fanning or reaping. And I can't necessarily disagree with that statement. 
if you're going to take a fan or a wild turkey decoy and stick it in front of your face and crawl through the grass to try to lure in a turkey, you are taking a chance. And I think that all three of those hunters knew that they were taking a chance when they were doing that. So if you're going to reap, you're going to fan, please, please, please be careful. Okay, so the next story here is one that's a little bit more tragic. And unfortunately, it's also one that could have totally been prevented. So KOTATV.com reports, A missing hunter killed in an accidental shooting is identified as 63-year-old Timothy Coates of Rapid City. Coates was found dead from an apparent accidental shooting Sunday on Forest Service land. The family reported Coates did not return from turkey hunting Saturday. He was hunting alone. Investigators say it appears he accidentally shot himself while crossing a barbed wire fence. Man, what a shame. I mean, to think that this guy will never again go home to his family because he did not take 30 seconds to unload his gun, lay the gun down on the ground underneath the bottom strand of barbed wire fence, and then cross the fence, and then bend down and pick his gun up, and then load his gun reload his gun. I just, I mean, I don't know what to say. Please take the extra time to remember your firearm safety rules and use them whether it's turkey season or it's deer season or it's pheasant hunting or quail hunting or rabbit hunting, whatever it happens to be. It is only a few seconds of time to unload a gun when you're crossing a creek to unload your gun when you're crossing a fence, to lay that gun down on the ground. Of course, with the muzzle pointed away from where you're going, it only takes a few seconds. And because this man didn't take a few seconds, his family's never going to get to see him again. Uh, Okay, man, I I just, all right, I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. All right, so on a positive note, there are a few states that have seasons that have just opened. Maine, New York, Utah, Vermont, and New Hampshire. All of their seasons have just opened. So, if you are like me and your season has recently ended, don't forget that there's a lot of other states that still have open seasons. And some of those states are only a short drive away from us. Spend a little bit of money on an out-of-state license, Spend a little bit of time doing some research, go find some public land to hunt on, and get back out there in the woods. Whether you have the desire to kill a Grand Slam or a Super Slam doesn't matter. This is an opportunity to see some different trees, to see a different landscape, and to see what turkey hunting in other states is like. And that is something that... Cameron and I are going to address in next week's show as well. Okay, let's get into the meat of the show. So I want to talk about a few late season tips for you guys who are still chasing birds. Many of you guys further north are currently dealing with birds that are hinned up and most of these tactics are not for you yet. 
But you guys in Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, who still have seasons that are ongoing, where the hens are close to, if not already sitting on nests full-time, and your gobblers are lonely, oftentimes for the first time in two to two and a half months, this time of year can be pretty tough. So, much of whether we will have success on a given day this time of year is just a matter of catching the right bird on the right day. But really, though, isn't that turkey hunting anyway? Late season, we can often go days at a time without hearing a turkey gobble. And then, the next day is magic. Two or three birds together, gobbling their brains out and trying to outrun each other to come to your calling. Man, that gets my blood pumped up just thinking about it. And that scenario right there leads me to my first late season tip. Number one, late season turkey hunting requires persistence and determination. Stay after those birds and don't ride off mid to late morning hunts and afternoon hunts for those of you guys who can do that legally. Be sure to cover a lot of ground to find those toms who are looking for love. Male turkeys in late season often seem to be pretty disinterested. We have to search to find turkeys who are interested. Number two, late spring hunts can be quick. So in saying that, be cautious when you're trying to close the gap between you and a gobbling late season wild turkey. A lonely, desperate gobbler will often cover much more ground to get to your calling in late season than he will in early season. And maybe that's because there just aren't as many hens to intercept him and thwart our attempts to woo that tom. So I can't tell you the number of birds that I have bumped late season because I was trying to get in that bird's living room. And I'm talking about birds that are already on the ground gobbling. So if you get one to respond one time, don't start in that direction just yet. Work on getting that second gobble from him. See if that turkey's closing the distance already. And if he is, find your spot to sit down. In fact, you should have already found that spot before you ever called the first time to get that turkey to gobble. Get in your spot, sit down, get ready to go. All right, next up. Tip number three, we can sometimes, in late season, call gobblers away from hens because the hens aren't as interested in breeding when they have a nest full of eggs that might be 50 to 75 yards away from where they're feeding or watering. So, some of you may remember, I actually had that happen last year. I was hunting with my buddy Todd. We saw two gobblers walk into... I can't even really call it a fire lane. It's really an area that's planted pines. And when the loggers came in to that, to that area of planted pines to do their first thinning, and they thinned every third row of pines, the landowner of that property actually went through that row of pines that had been taken out, and they maintain it every single year. They bush hog it. And so it's grown up in grass native grasses. And Todd and I saw these two gobblers walk out into this lane of planted grass, and we began to call to them. They started our direction, and then two hens walked out. 
of the woods into the same lane of grass. And the gobblers turned and went to the hens. After about an hour of calling, and I mean we were laying it on them to the point to where I was almost embarrassed that we were calling that much, the turkeys, the gobblers, finally realized that the two hens, they were not going to play ball with them. But there was a very talkative and very suggestive and sometimes a nasty hen on the edge of the woods that was trying to seduce them, trying to woo them. And they left the two hens and they came to us. And I probably need to finish that story by saying that Todd killed one of those birds. And we had a good chance at a double. But I want to remind everyone that when you go hunting, it's a good idea to take a gun. Todd did not bring his gun that day. So Todd was using my gun. And he killed that turkey with my gun. And when he shot, the other turkey decided it was not a good idea to stick around. So if you happen to see a tom out in a field with hens and it's late season, or a hen and it's late season, don't think that you're going to have a hard time getting that bird away from his hen because he may very well break away and come to your calling. It is, I'm going to say, much more likely to happen late season than it is early season when they've got 10 or 12 hens with them. All right, next tip for you guys is that gobblers will often cruise from field to field looking for hens that are feeding near their nesting areas. Sometimes a gobbler will loaf in a shaded area on the edge of a field or a power line right-of-way or a gas line right-of-way, and he'll stay in the shade, and he'll wait and watch for a hen to wander out of the woods and into that right-of-way or that field. So really kind of twofold here. Be careful about just walking right out into a field or an opening without using a locator call to induce a shot gobble or even some hen calling to get a response. If you get that response from that gobbler, again, you want to be ready to act quickly. You need to be sitting your rear end down pretty quickly from that point. Okay, tip number five. A gobble from a box call or a tube call or a gobble tube can be a great, great, great locator call or challenge call this time of year. Those surviving dominant late season toms can pretty quickly and pretty aggressively respond to a gobble in their territory. And I like to use the gobble more as a locator call late season because the male birds often are grouping back up again at this time of year. And a gobble can often bring a response when nothing else will. So whether that turkey gobbles back at your gobble because he just wants to meet up and be pals and have, a, have somebody to hang out with, or he wants to come in there and whip somebody's tail, it doesn't matter. He's coming in. That's what we want. We can't kill him if we can't see him. All right, tip number six. Don't be afraid to use a strutter decoy late season. When you know that the dominant bird in an area is still around, or if you know that there's a group of toms hanging out together, even if they're subordinate birds, a group of toms will fight the dominant tom. They won't hesitate to fight a dominant tom a lot of times. So a strutter decoy 
can be a pretty good tool to use late season. If that dominant bird sees a strutting bird with a hen, he is not going to be a happy camper. Remember, the late season is a time when gobblers, even the dominant birds, are lonely for the first time in months. And if they hear a hen who sounds like she's looking for some company and they discover that there's another Tom there who is vying for her attention, they're likely not going to be very happy. Okay, so also know that the strutter decoy can backfire on you as well. So you're likely going to want to start your hunts off on the cautious side if you're not sure that you're dealing with a dominant turkey or a group of male birds in that area. So if you can't figure out if you're hunting a group of younger birds or if you're hunting that dominant bird, leave that decoy in the bag on the ground next to your setup spot. Do not put that decoy out because you're going to spook any lone subordinate birds. They will run for their lives. All right, next up. And this one should probably go without saying, but I like it because it's a good reminder. Get close to roosted birds because the trees are fully leafed out. You've got all those trees and those bushes and the underbrush and use that underbrush to help conceal you when setting up. And this is very important. If the underbrush is too thick where you want to sit down on a turkey, you can just as easily kill a turkey standing up as you can sitting down with your back against a tree. You don't have to sit down. If you can't see because the bushes are two feet tall or three feet tall and they're thick for the next 40 yards in front of you, that is great cover, but it's going to prevent you from being able to see that turkey as he's approaching to be able to get a shot at him. So pick you a tree, lean up against that tree, make sure the tree's between you and the tom, peek around the side of that tree, and shoot that bird standing up. One other thing to kind of throw on top of that tip is late season when there's so many leaves on the trees and the bushes and the underbrush. Typically when that turkey gobbles, he's closer than you think he is. So that kind of goes back to tip number one, and that is that a turkey will cover some ground and that oftentimes those hunts can go quickly. All right. My last tip for you guys is this. Late season, if you get a response from a gobbler to your hen calls while you're running and gunning, work at getting that gobbler fired up. You know, a late season gobbler, I like to think, is similar to a middle-aged man with ADD. (laughs) We tend to get disinterested as soon as a shiny object crosses our path. So, You need to get that gobbler fired up and you need to keep him fired up. And really, that's a juggling act between calling too much and not calling enough. If you're hunting private land birds, you can tend to pump up the intensity a fair amount in the late season and get away with it. Public land birds, however, are typically more wary of a lot of calling late season because those birds have been called to and they've been boogered up a good bit early in mid-season. Now, that public land bird, you still have to keep that Tom interested, though, or he's going to lose interest in you, and he'll start looking for arrowheads, morel mushrooms, 
or even playing on Snapchat or whatever it is those Toms do on the warm late season days. I wish that I could give you some secret formula as to how much you need to call to that public land bird, but every turkey in every situation is different. And I'm going to tell you, though, that I recommend starting slowly and quietly, kind of seeing how much he responds, and then slowly ramping it up in volume and intensity from there if the response is not very promising to try to get him a little bit more pumped up. So here's what I like to do. Late season, if I'm quote unquote running and gunning and I'm yelping, and a turkey gobbles, I'm going to come right back. And I'm going to hit that turkey with some very excited cutting. And I'm going to try to get him to respond again right away. If I can get him to respond again right away, then I can back off a little bit. And I can just throw some yelps out there every so often. Keep him interested. Keep him coming in. And make it happen that way. If I can't get that turkey fired up, get him to respond to my calls, there's a good chance that he's not going to come in that he's just not interested. I've got to get him interested. I've got to make him interested. And when he gobbles that first time, I want to let him know that I'm a hen and dadgummit, I'm glad to hear he's around. I want to talk to him. I would love to meet him. Maybe we can exchange our Snapchat IDs and Snapchat each other. (laughs) All right, so... There are eight late season tips for you guys to put in your turkey vest. And you know those tips are not going to add any more weight to your vest. So carry them with you. Pull them out as you need to use them. And I hope that one or all of those eight tips will pay off for you guys. All right, so I have one more little something for you guys before I sign off for the week and let you get back to your world. I have a recording of a phone call that I had with a listener to the show named Jeremy Stoudenmeyer. And Jeremy had some questions for me about how I get into the woods, how I move around in the woods, and I feel like there's information on there that you guys can benefit from hearing. And so here's the audio of that call, and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey guys, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me Jeremy Stoudenmeyer. And Jeremy is a friend of the show and a listener as well. And I got an email from Jeremy this past week where he was asking some questions that I thought, you know, these are really good questions. And they're questions that I don't think in in hardly, you know, maybe one or two of the episodes, if you kind of read between the lines, I think you could get the answers to the questions. But it's something that we haven't really specifically talked about. And the email that Jeremy sent me, he says, Hey, Andy, I just got settled into my spot for the morning because you, Jeremy was actually turkey hunting when he sent me this email. So I'm going to get on to him about that here in just a second, but we'll keep going. And I was thinking, how do you get in and out of the woods? I mean, sure, you probably walk in and out. But do you walk fast and not worry too much about noise or slow and sure not to break a twig? As far as a flashlight, do you use a regular flashlight, a red-colored flashlight, no flashlight at all? I'm just a frustrated fourth-season turkey hunter that still hasn't bagged my first bird, and I'm trying to do everything I can to put the odds in my favor. And then he says, you may have covered this on a podcast at some point, but I don't remember if you did. 
If so, I apologize. I've listened to every podcast, most of them more than once. And I do remember you from when you emailed me last year about a bird that you got busted by. And you mentioned that in your email. So to close out your email, you say, I'm just curious about your your turkey woods entry strategies. Maybe you can cover this on a podcast at some point or just reply to this email. So I'm doing one better than just replying to the email. I actually wanted to talk to you because I, anytime I'm in the woods, I try to be as quiet as I possibly can. Now, sometimes, as you know, being a hunter in the South, it's darn near impossible to be quiet in the woods. Right. Yeah, right. We, we had a period, gosh, it was about, well, and, and for those of you listening to the show, you don't know this. I know this because of emailing with Jeremy. He's in North Georgia. So what he has as far as terrain, what he has as far as the woods are concerned, the habitat, that type of thing is similar to what we have in Birmingham. He's probably being in North Georgia a little bit more hilly than where we are in Birmingham, but I know what he's going through. So we had a period of about, gosh, I guess it was about a week ago, maybe a little bit longer, where we actually went a little over a week with no rain. Mm-hmm. And the woods at that point in time were so loud that it was just impossible to try to get anywhere quietly. Yeah, the leaves are crunchy and yeah. sticks and everything else, and you just can't get anywhere. Yeah. And especially you think about early in the morning, it's, you know, a, a little bit quieter early in the morning. Yeah, the Tweety birds are waking up, but a turkey right. in a tree has a height advantage and he's got the ability to pinpoint sound like no other animal that I've ever been around. And to hear for him to be in a tree and hear you crunching in leaves when he knows that he should only hear a hen crunching in the leaves who's coming to his gobbling that's not going to do you any good. So I'm always trying to be as quiet as I can be in the woods. Mm -hmm. If I'm hunting with a hunting partner, I'm trying to be, and I've got to communicate with that partner, I'm whispering. Even if we're running and gunning, and I'm using air quotes when I'm saying running and gunning, because I am much more of what I like to call a stop, look, and listen runner and gunner. Right. My running and gunning consists of a lot of messing around. If I see a mud puddle, I don't mind digging a little trench out of that mud puddle to drain the water, just messing around because that takes me longer. It takes me more time. It, I'm still listening. Mm-hmm. It keeps me in the woods, keeps me in the areas that turkeys are, and I'm listening for gobbling. I'm listening for a hen yelping. I'm listening for drumming. I'm listening for all those sounds that a turkey makes. So when I'm running and gunning, I'm I'm paying a lot of attention to what's going on around me, even though it may not look like it. I'll stop in a food plot to pick up arrowheads or look for arrowheads, but I'm I've always got my ears open and my eyes open as well. So mm-hmm. in getting around, getting into the woods, if if I'm trying to make an approach to a gobbler that's on the roost and it's early morning, yes, I am trying not to rub up against any saplings, any Branch, tree branches, that kind of thing that might scrape up against my vest or, you know, also poke me in the eyeball, but sure. knock my hat off, make any kind of noise. I want to be, if I could hover to get to that turkey that's roosted in the tree and not make any sound at all, I would definitely do that. Now, 
I do that same thing even when I don't have turkeys gobbling, just like I said. So when I'm running and gunning, I'm trying not to step in a mud puddle. I'm trying not to break any twigs, break any branches. I'm trying to move around through the woods as quietly as I can. You know, Preston Pittman, when I had him on the show, we were talking about scouting for turkeys. And he made Mm -hmm. mention of that. In fact, he's made mention several times when I've had him on the show. And that is to be as much a part of the woods as you can be. When you're in the woods and you're turkey hunting, walk like a turkey walks. When you're in the woods deer hunting, walk like a deer walks. And so if you can get from point A to point B in the woods and sound more like a hen walking in the woods than a human being walking in the woods, that's going to be to your benefit. And there is a difference. And so, you know, if you kind of, if you kind of pay attention to that, try to mock that. Now, obviously a size 11 or size 12 boot tromping through the leaves is not going to sound much like a a 12 pound hen or a 15 pound hen walking through the leaves, but we have to try to imitate that as much as we can. Mm -hmm. So in regards to your question about the flashlight, I get in trouble at my house all the time because I don't turn on lights. <laughs> I think that I may be part cat in that respect. Okay. I can see very well in the dark. And so I don't use a flashlight. I know not everybody is that way. A lot of people can't see at all in the dark or even see very poorly, even if we have a full moon. Right. So I yeah. would tell you... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, if there's enough moonlight, I normally try not to, but sometimes, I mean, if it's cloudy even, I just can't get around it, I guess. And I guess that's why I was just curious about the whole red light thing. I didn't know if, you know, some folks say, you know, when you're hunting deer or whatever, you can use the red light and it doesn't kind of startle them as as much as a white light does. I didn't know if that was similar or the same with turkey or if that made any difference at all. Yeah, you know, I think that because turkeys can see color, I think mm-hmm. they can see that red light. Now, right. I don't think a red light is typically just as bright as a white light. True. And especially those LED lights that we have now that are awesome. Oh, yeah. They are so bright and so white that they are extremely unnatural. So Way too bright for the woods. Yes, that's exactly right. So I would say if you have to use a light, you know, they have the, the little, and they still make them, the little pin flashlights mm-hmm. that put out very little light, but you just need to see three or four feet in front of you. Right. And a little bitty pin light is going to be something that a turkey is going to have a hard time seeing or being able to judge the distance of how far away that pin light is from them. So if you've got to use a light or you need to use a light, use one that's as dim as you can get away with mm-hmm. that has more of a flood light than a spotlight setting to it sure. and use it sparingly. And so, you know, there have been, t- there have been a lot of times actually when I knew where a turkey, I knew where a gobbler was roosted and I wanted to be within 40 or 50 yards of that roost tree before that turkey flew down. And I would go into the woods and try to get in there an hour before it even cracks day. And what I will do is if I have to have a flashlight at that point in time, I'll take one with me and I will actually 
crawl through the woods the last 75 to 100 yards to get to where I want to be because that's even less distance for that light to travel and less opportunity for that turkey to see that light. Plus, I'm a firm believer, and I've got no science to back this up whatsoever, but I'm a firm believer that a turkey, even in low-light conditions, can distinguish between a human being on two legs and being six feet tall and a deer on four legs being three, three and a half feet tall. Oh, I'm pretty sure they can, especially where I hunt. I mean, so I'll probably with all the hunters that are out there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they can tell the difference. Yeah. So if you get down on all fours, you're much more like a deer. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're probably more along the size of a coyote, but if you're going into that area where that turkey's roosted and you're getting there 45 minutes or an hour before it even starts to crack day, that turkey's and, and everything settles back down around you, that turkey's going to pay no attention to what it heard an hour before daylight, if it mm. even heard it at all, which it probably right. did. But it's going to know that whether that was a deer or a coyote or a pig or a raccoon or whatever it was that was walking through the woods, it hasn't heard it in 45 minutes to an hour. It's gone. It's not a threat to them anymore. Right. So, you know, getting in there early, I think, helps helps get that area to settle down a lot quicker and, and you know, m- puts you in a much better position to, to be successful. So, you know, I just try, even if I have a turkey that flies up in the evenings that may or may not be able to see me, I try to just make myself as small as possible, getting out of the woods or getting in the woods and crawling. Or if I feel like I can get away with it, if there's enough distance between us, I'll even stand up, but just bend over so that I'm actually walking on two legs instead of crawling out on my arms and legs. Sure. Right. And I can cover ground a little bit quicker, but I'm making myself smaller by bending over at the waist. So, you know, I've had some pretty good success sneaking up on some birds that way. And I'm just going to attribute it to the fact that I didn't just walk in and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's worked for me as well in areas where I know turkeys are roosted on the edge of a field where they can see that field. And rather than having to skirt the edge of that field all the way around, I can actually go walk through that field and look like a four-legged creature instead of a two-legged creature. Right. So that makes sense. Does that help any at all? That makes sense. It does. Um, I guess what what prompted the question was, um, like I said, I I had just sat down that morning, and on the way in, when I was walking to that spot, um, I actually spooked a bird off of roost that I wasn't expecting to be there. Hmm. Um, and I guess I thought I was walking fairly quietly, as quiet as I could, I guess, and still try to get to my spot within a reasonable amount of time. And I guess I wasn't sure if it was the light or the noise or the combination or I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it was all of it, but um, yeah. I guess that's just what prompted it. And I just wasn't sure what your thoughts are on how you do things and how I can improve. So, yeah, that definitely helps. Yeah. And, you know, that's so difficult because you are walking in there as quietly as you can. Yeah, you may have had your flashlight on, and most likely it was all of the above. It was the flashlight and and the crunching in the leaves. Mm-hmm. The flashlight drew atten- drew more attention to the crunching in the leaves than exactly. the crunching in the leaves drew by itself. So it's frustrating because it's happened to all of us. It's going to happen to you again. 
It's going to happen sure. to me again. God willing, I get back out in the woods. And there's nothing we can do about it. We, You did not know the turkey was there. And so you could have just as easily that day been 10 minutes late to the woods and that turkey had already been gobbling on the roost. True. And at that point in time, you would have known what was going on and you wouldn't have had to have, or you wouldn't have bumped the bird. You wouldn't have gotten right. that close to bump him accidentally. So, you know, there there's so much of everything coming together at the right place at the right time. There's so much of that in us being successful in the turkey woods that most of it we don't have control over. Sure. So, you know, if you're what you mentioned your hunting public land, so are you are you trying to get back off of a road a good ways and yeah. that's what you're Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 trying to get as far away from the people as I can. I found a few spots um on the section that I hunt that there's a pretty long hike back in there, so I'm getting back in there pretty early and having a lot of ground to cover. So I'm not walking too slow because I've got a lot of long, long ways to go. But right. um, yeah, I'm trying to get as far away from those folks as I can. And I've I found several spots where I can easily find birds, but um, you know, just having all, all the other stuff fall in line and go my way right. is what I'm working on. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's I would tell you that even though you bumped that bird off the roost. If you were able to see the direction that that turkey went, mm-hmm. I, I would not have hesitated to try to close the distance on that bird from where I saw it fly and you know probably walk another three or four hundred yards in the direction that I saw the turkey fly because that turkey probably, even though it associated the noise and the light with some sort of danger, I mm-hmm. bet the turkey wasn't terribly spooked. Did okay. you, did you, how long did you stay in the woods that day? Um, I stayed until probably 11 or 12. Okay. So you were there for a good uh, while. Did you ever hear a bird gobble in the direction that turkey flew? I never heard any gobbling, um, especially not from that way. And yeah. And I guess I kept going another, I, I, I was almost to where I was headed when I bumped the bird. Um, I went probably another couple hundred yards and then once the daybreak hit, I, I heard a hen on the roost. Um, but that was all I heard that day. Okay. All right. Yeah. Could be that so. could be that you scared the stew out of him and he just wasn't going to gobble the rest of the day. But a lot right. of times, you know, unless you just go running and screaming through the woods, a lot of the times they don't know what's going on. They know just something's mm-hmm. not right, but they'll go on about their business. And you separated that gobbler from his hen or mm-hmm. hens. So, you know, a lot of times that in and of itself will be enough to get them to gobble. But, you know, I think in the spring you you do more harm bumping them off the roost in the mornings than you do good. And, you know, had you known that that bird was there in the afternoon, you probably very easily could have bumped him off the roost in the afternoon. And the next morning he would have been in, in whatever, whatever area he went into that he mm-hmm. landed in, he would be gobbling on the roost and, you know, that next morning because he'd had right. all night to settle down. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think what you ran up against is just something that we, we've all done. I mean, I've done it once already this year myself. I knew the turkeys were roosting in the area and I told myself I was going to sit down about 50 yards before I actually even attempted to sit down and spooked a bird in that last 50 yards. And so it just, it's going to happen. It's part of the sport. You know, 
you could have possibly, I guess, have just backed out of there and gone to a different area, but that would have put you mm-hmm. much later, I'm right. sure, than you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So were you were you certain when you bumped that bird that it was a gobbler? No, I was not. Okay. I, I was not certain. So, I mean, it very well could have been a hen, but I know there's been gobblers in that area uh, that I've heard so far this year. Yeah. Um, I was hoping it was, but uh, no, I'm not certain. Yeah. A lot of times when you spook a, a gobbler off the roost, he just sounds more cumbersome. You know, he, he just okay. sounds bigger and okay. much clumsier. You know, and you, you think about a gobbler, especially this spring, as warm as it's been, a gobbler that's been strutting for four to six weeks, his wingtips are, are filed down. Mm-hmm. And he's not as good at flying anyway. Right. And so the wing beats are a little bit slower than a hen, and they just seem to be more cumbersome coming off the roost. So just something to kind of keep in mind when you do hear one go, because so many times when you bump them off the roost, they fly away from you. And if, if it's dark especially, you're mm-hmm. not going to get a good visual on that bird to be able to look at its right. head or, or even to see a beard having you know, being pushed up against his body by the air right. from it flying. So, you know, that's kind of what I what I listen for or look for when I do bump a bird is how quickly did that bird get out of there. If it's up during the day or daylight a little bit and I can see it, you know, was the bird bigger than what I think a hen should have been at that distance. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, but I'm going to tell you, you know, you're four years into it. You're hunting public land. You're looking for bird number one. Stay at it. Uh, I oh, don't, I am. You don't I sound am. like I'm taking advantage of every minute I can this time of year. Good, good. Yeah, you you don't sound like you're about to give up on it. And that's, oh, no. and that's the name of the game. Stay after them, and oh, no. you know, keep your keep your notebook or keep a little some notes on your phone or whatever of. Mm-hmm things that happened that you would do differently if you had it to do over or things Mm -hmm. that you did that worked perfectly and read it every night, especially during season, read it every night so that you're ready when, when the opportunity comes. So I'll do it. Good deal. And the last thing that I have for you is don't forget to send me a picture of you with a dead Turkey this season. Oh, absolutely. You'll probably be the first one I send it to. Good deal. I'll be looking for that. I can't wait to see it. And then what we'll do after you send me that picture of you with a dead turkey, we'll do a follow-up call and let you tell us the story of of how you killed that bird and the one or two things that helped make that hunt a success. Awesome. Sounds good. Can't wait. Yeah, me either. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Jeremy, Good luck to you. Be safe the rest of the season. And if you need me, don't hesitate to give me a buzz or shoot me an email. I'm always happy to help out in any way I can. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate the help, man. All right. Good luck to you, too. Thank you, sir. I need all that I can get. (laughs) All right. All right. See you, Jeremy. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Okay, so I hope that helps some of you guys to think about how you move around in the spring or fall turkey woods. I just really can't stress to you enough how important it is to be as quiet as possible when you're moving around in the woods. And when you're in the woods, it is so important to blend in. By walking quietly, by walking slowly, we're able to hear more, we're able to see more, and we're able to be seen less. 
and be heard less. That is what hunting is all about. All right, that's all that I have for you guys this week. But you know I'm going to ask you for a favor. So before I cut you loose, here is the favor that I'm going to ask of you this week. If you would please, if you haven't already done so, if you would please leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or Google Play Music or whatever podcast player that you use, and I don't even know if you can leave a rating and a review on Podbean, but if you can, jump out there and do that for me, please. If you'll do that, I'll be very appreciative. It's a great way to give back to the show, and it will only take a minute of your time. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Be safe and goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.